Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. We have real deal football on the timeline, Andy. It was like uh, out of the blue today. All of a it sudden, woke up. Oh, it, it woke up out of nowhere. It was everybody so reported. I guess today. so much information, videos, live streams, uh, injuries. Like the news was a fire hose today for the NFL. Um, yeah, I wonder if I can M- do that with my mom. Like the, I'm not a great singer. We've established that a couple times, but <laughs> I don't know if you'll hear the difference between the normal theme and the one I'm trying to do, where you go. Like the sad injury one. Yes. And they go to commercial after this yes. injury. There's a couple oh. nasty ones already. And yeah. I guess we've been saying it. We've been we've harped on it throughout the previews and other NFL podcasts. Like there's always a ton of injuries early. It's gonna be worse this year, probably. So get get used fair. to like your favorite team. I'm talking to you, specific listener. Your favorite team will probably have a horrible injury sometime soon because it's coming for everybody. Which is why when we do these previews, we lean into depth being a big deal. Like it's very much. It's important to uh, to have um, you know players to you know to to not be you know stars and scrubs. You know you're especially if you're talking about betting. Uh, you know, teams to win the division, teams to win the conference. Like they, you know, you don't want there to be so much fragility uh, in in terms of roster that one guy, you know, doesn't doesn't perform the way you expect or gets hurt, uh, costs you an entire, um, you know, an entire position. And that's where we sit with a lot of these teams, like you're seeing with the Cowboys losing defensive players. Like they can't afford to lose bodies on defense. Newsflash. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a really interesting uh, um, run up to the regular season because I agree with you. I think the lack of uh, normal preseason activities, offseason activities, I guess, and preseason games um, has the potential to make this worse than ever. Um, although, you know, in general, there's always a lot of surprise, weird, nasty stuff that happens in the preseason games themselves. So taking those out of the picture will probably save us some injuries. Yeah, no, it'll just happen during regular season games. Those become in the, in the, in the <laughs> yeah. normal timeline, like week, week one becomes preseason week one. That's and true. The, the horrific injuries you'll see will be during a game where you actually have, I mean, it's not like we don't, ah, oh, man, I do bet on preseason. I bet, I wouldn't say quite a bit, but. When there's spots, we hit them because it's there's always some really nice spots. I am gonna miss that. So, but as far as it goes, you know, being real football, like it'll be someone on your fantasy team, someone on your DFS team, someone important to your regular season wins total bet. So, it'll suck. It's gonna be a wild year, and hopefully, the amount of injuries that hurt you are equal or less than the amount of injuries that help you. Because it should be a wash. Like, there's going to be a quarterback that goes out on a team you bet against. I agree. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's just, uh, it's like. Uh, Derek Carr. Uh, man, don't. Yeah, what do you got against Derek Carr? Wow, man. Right on the field. Oh, that's a good point. I forgot Consecrated about that. Consecrated the um, gridiron. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, okay, well, uh, you're tipping your hand a little bit here we're talking about the afc west today where we have 
uh, a, 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 an overwhelming favorite to win the division. Biggest price on the board, right? Got to be. Yes. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs are minus 390. And then if you fancy yourself a little risk a little chance you think someone can take down the chiefs you pretty much have your pick across these other three teams as to who has the second best second most likely to win this division you shop around you're going to get about 10 to 1 or better uh, across everybody. all three of these on everybody which is kind of wild um, what does that make it a Dutch if you go all three of them? If you basically say, yeah, something might happen to Holmes or, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the chiefs, uh, you're, I mean, the, you're the basically chiefs, getting like you know, three to one plus or plus three thirty three to, if you can get 10 to one on everybody, you're betting three units to win 10. That's a great point. Um, any, oh, well, I mean, but you'd keep you, one you, of them. So it's, it's two, so two to, I mean, if one of them yeah, wins, right. It's not, yeah, right. Yeah. It's a little, little bit. It's, it's Monday. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's a good point. Um, but, uh, you know, let's just say for the sake of arguing that the chiefs let 22,000 people into their, uh, into their stadium on opening night and, you know, half the team gets sick and they miss a bunch of games and all of a sudden one of these other teams wins. Uh, you could do pretty well going up against the favorites in this division. I won't be one of those players who's taking those chances, <laughs> but uh, I can see there being, a, you know, there, there's, Just there's saying an you could, you could, you could. Yeah. Cause that's pretty, pretty high break even probability on Kansas city chiefs to win the West at minus 400 ish. Um, but with that, and it's, you know, since it's, there's really not a consensus at who, the bottom of the AFC West is going to be, I guess it's kind of up to us to just make, you know, pick our, you know, take our shot here. Uh, I wouldn't say this with high confidence, but uh, a team that I'm interested in talking about that's fun to uh, kind of pick over here, I think we should go with the Denver Broncos first. Does that seem like a reasonable strategy to you? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Remember Broncos Remember that old first. Simpsons where uh, it was the Hank Scorpio episode where he's just the supervillain that uh, Homer goes and works for. And then at the end, he, you know, his dream was to own the Dallas Cowboys, and he ends up with a football team in his front yard. And there's a note, and he's like, "Sorry, it's not the Cowboys, but it's a start." And he looks, oh, the Denver, <laughs> oh, Broncos. Denver Broncos, yeah, 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 that's a good one. God, I love that episode. Fuck, that was that's good. yeah, that's from um, my youth. That's like 20 years oh, ago now. Jesus, date God, ourselves, that was a good but, one. Yeah, I mean the Broncos. I, I shouldn't poop on them. They've had multiple Super Bowl wins in my uh, in my lifetime, but. I think that's kind of where some of the current trouble stemmed from. I don't know if you read through the Football Outsiders chapter on them. I took a look at that earlier today as I was finishing up some of my notes, and boy, it's been it's been rough since since that you know that stretch where they ended up getting Peyton to come in with his noodle arm and offensive coordinator himself to a, a championship. And then from there, I mean, the, the drafting has been pretty atrocious. They drafted Paxton Lynch. Yeah. You just you waste that much draft capital for that many years and then treat yourself like you're this close. Like, oh, we're going to get Case Keenum and, and that'll put us over the top. Or, man, maybe, maybe you know, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl a decade ago. Maybe this will work. Like, just, they're trying to slap Band-Aids on the wrong places, not drafting Yikes. proper. Elway really struggling with quarterback evaluation and then, you know, spinning through a couple coaches. It's, it's been a tough five years. 
Yeah. And I think there's some there's some hope. Great. There's some hope in the Mile High City over what Drew Locke did over the past what what was it the last five six games or however many he played there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a plenty. I mean, if you read around, there's plenty of cold water to be thrown on that. As far as the we'll do some, we'll against. do some of that. Yeah, today. We're, we're going to we'll do, do some of that, of that today. But, don't uh, don't still, uh, don't don't jump too far ahead here. Yeah, I'm 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 like fifty fifty in this team. They have some nice pieces, but yeah, if if this cold water unlock is warranted, it's not going to be a playoff team. Mm, yeah, might yeah. not even be a five hundred team. Yeah. Um. So. I guess let's break down from top to bottom here. The Elway administration. <laughs> uh, boy, in this, in kind of stark contrast to the last team we talked about, which was the San Francisco 49ers, you have a former player with a uh, solid pedigree of uh, kind of, you know, a nice hall of fame-ish resume. Uh, and um, they come into the job and they, you know, they, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the case of John Lynch, uh, really, really not suited for the job out of the gate. You know, really struggled in the first couple of years to make. Well, good I thought decisions it was a weird hire draft. when they did it. It was a weird hire. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent agreed. Um, and uh, kind of look sideways at some of the decisions and the moves early on. Uh, and then lo and behold, um, because of kind of making mistakes on the job and learning from those mistakes, I think John Lynch has grown into one of the better, if not one of the best. GM's across all of the league at this point, which is incredible to go from where he came from to now. Uh, and in a lot of the same ways, I think you can say Elway came into this job, uh, steward of the franchise, brought in Peyton Manning, and that ended up being such a smashing success that, you know, he's uh, kind of confirmation bias that he was good at this. Is that crazy? Yeah, I think you can have some of that too, where somebody comes in hot and yeah, like you said, confirmation bias, like, oh, this is easy. Like yeah. I was oh, I was yeah. a great quarterback. I understand football. Uh, if you want to throw another bias, the green green lumber fallacy, like I know so much about X's and O's and being a quarterback and winning at the highest level that how hard can it be to do this? And I mean you've seen I don't know, it, think about this and just you, the listener. Maybe it's not a scenario you've run into, but I feel like enough people have where you see someone get promoted because they were good at their job and they weren't good at the next job. Like they shouldn't have been promoted. It's just like you were really good at that other job. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The Peter principle. We're all over the heuristics today. I like this. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great one. It's like, oh man, that's like, you need to go back to your old job. You were great at this. You suck. Once you've moved up, <laughs> you cannot manage people like you, you were great on what you did before. And yeah, Elway, yeah, little uh, spotty resume, I, I guess we'll say. Yeah, that's fair. Drafted Paxton um, Lynch. <laughs> no, the other two, I mean, you know, he, he was high on Brock Osweiler. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, the high on Paxton Lynch was a problem. High on Case Keenum was a problem. High on Joe Flacco was a problem. By my count, that is four strikes. Usually you only get three. But he has had taken four cuts at the quarterback of the future for this team and has not connected on any of those swings. Uh, Drew Locke is the fifth swing, and I would say that the jury is decidedly out on this player. Uh, We didn't see much of any or any of Drew Locke in the preseason last year. Uh, and by all means, do not read this as uh, let's dump on Drew Locke and he's not going to be good. And he, he whiffed again. And Elway is Maybe. 10 years of failure, right? Like, 
it, that may be true. And but you know, we didn't get to see a ton of his development via preseason last year. Usually, that's a pretty important time window where we get to see the rookie take some snaps against you know guys who are marginal NFL players anyway. You know, and it's like you get to see some of their strengths and weaknesses and how they're operating in an NFL system. And we didn't get to see that because Drew Locke was injured for all preseason last year, and they came into the season. Uh, without really a whole hell of a lot of, uh, you know, expectation. You know, clearly they were, I think they were pretty clearly the fourth, uh, the fourth highest um, power rated team entering the season last year. They were, we definitely expected double digit win seasons from the Chiefs and Chargers. And I think people were a little buzzy on the Raiders. So I'm pretty sure the Broncos were, the expected fourth AFC West team last year as well. Uh, and they bring Flacco in, uh, I, I guess, ostensibly to let him resurrect his career at altitude, I guess. He could still throw the deep ball, maybe. Uh, he was not especially good franchise uh, steward, you know, especially no. good uh, starter over his eight starts. They gave him eight I read, starts. Yeah. Yeah. I read some things too, as far as some of the. You know, it doesn't matter whose rankings or statistics you're using. Like, there were probably there are some offensive linemen that probably aren't as bad as we thought, just because they had to play in front of Flacco for eight games. Like That's their fair. number, their numbers may have. It's it's something where you can't truly prove it out because it's you're working in hypotheticals. But there's a chance this offensive line is better because they they played better in front of Locke, and mm-hmm. when you have a guy who can you know, move. It's funny how we've had a couple of these quarterbacks going back to Manning when he was here, completely immobile quarterbacks like that. It's tough. It's really tough as a lineman. So they did play better in front of, uh, in front of Locke. And I think it goes to show how everything's just, uh, there's so many moving parts and everything affects everything. So you do have to throw some context. Like I was just looking at the offensive line and some of the rankings and stuff and, there was something that brought that up and it was a, it was a good point that kind of makes you think you do got to give some of these p- positional groups some benefit of the doubt when they have to play with a really subpar situation like 95 year old Joe Flacco. Okay. Well, what's up with your talent evaluation in terms of your, you know, your franchise starting Flacco in the first place? Like why is he your, Oh no, that's just a horrible, yeah, that's just yeah. a horrible <laughs> idea. Yeah, you lose four games out of the gate, uh, Raiders, Bears, Packers, Jaguars. I don't think anyone is running to claim that any of those four teams were good last year. And yes, some of those were close games. Some of those were unlucky losses. You should have beat the Bears at home. Yes, I agree. Uh, you should have beat the Jaguars at home. Uh, yes, I agree. Uh, and you know, to turn around an 0-4 season and get to 7-9, and maybe that's a, you know, a reasonable accomplishment as far as, uh, uh, as, far as the year one of the Vic Fangio regime. But here's another ding, in my opinion, on the resume of John Elway's t- tenure as GM. Vic Fangio is a completely uninspiring hire. Vic Fangio is an old defensive coordinator uh, who's been in the league for many, many years, and I do not believe that that is the type of um, coach that really helps usher in a rebuild as far as uh, you know coming into a franchise like this and getting the most out of these players especially because here you sit now going from uh, John Elway to Drew Locke and you have Vic Fangio, you know, is your head coach for better or worse. And he brings in Rick Scangarello last year. Scangarello, I'm not even sure if I can pronounce that guy's name right. He only lasted one year. 
his offense was uninspiring last year. There were moments where they did some decent things. Beating Houston Texans late in the season was uh, an impressive performance, but overall it was not a great unit. Uh, and they fire Scangarello or he, you know, he leaves under his own accord. I'm not hundred percent sure what happened, but they bring in now Pat Shermer, uh, former coach uh, of the New York Giants. And, and uh, you know, 2017 NFL assistant coach of the year, Pat Shermer. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Maybe he'll bring excuse Keenum me. back. Maybe that's uh that's the move there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And, he's, but, an, he's another, he's a 30 year vet. He's been around. It's kind of more of the same. Yeah. And bringing in a guy like to, Fangio in the first yeah. place, like w- what is he doing for you as far as the franchise goes, right? Is he going to develop your young players on offense and get, you know, become, you're, you're going to be able to compete with the high flying chiefs in your division? No, he's a defensive minded coach. Who's going to install his like toughness and, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, his identity is largely going to be through the way they scheme the defense and get some defensive players and building the pass rush and, uh, you know, being a formidable, uh, you know, defense first team. Well, that's extremely not 2020 NFL. Extremely, well, it, it can it can be like it can work. You can have a defensive minded head coach. We've seen it work for you know nine Super Bowl appearances and six wins over in Foxborough. But you have to have a really uh, and young young maybe is silly to say. Doesn't have to be young, but they have to be thinking young or thinking uniquely, you have to have somebody, a a dynamic play caller on offense. You can't just bring in a Pat Shermer and expect it to win with a defensive-minded head coach. You can have a a scheming defensive-minded head coach if you have a Josh McDaniels. Like, that's how that works. It doesn't work to just, oh, we'll grab Pat Shermer. He's around. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. And I don't have a whole hell of a lot of hope that Vic Fangio somehow – you know, gets the most out of these players out of this team and that this is going to be a successful experiment. And really just because of my reservations about Elway, as far as, uh, you know, constructing a team that can compete and my reservations about Vic Fangio, uh, you know, leading a a team and specifically an offense in an AFC where you're going to have to score points to win. I'm just not, uh, I'm not sold on these guys. They have plenty of talent all over this roster. They have some absolute blue chip players on both sides of the ball um, but there is a, there are enough massive question marks that uh, I don't think you can really say with a straight face that uh, that playoffs are in the cards for the Broncos this year, uh, and I think that's the bottom line. And you know, I could be wrong about Shermer. Maybe he's a guy who can do something with these pieces. <laughs> Maybe having a, a young quarterback, a young receiving core. Uh, you know, just a fresh start is something that's going to get him excited and he's going to come at us with something new. And I think, you know, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, like we know the defensive, the edge rush is going to be great. We know what we're going to get from that. We know what we're going to get from, you know, probably the secondary. We know Do basically you? it's, uh, yeah, I'm not excited about it. I'm going to shit on the secondary. You, Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, you know, in a good way. Yeah, this can this can be a good or bad thing. Like, I think your level of certainty. Like, I have a level of certainty that says a healthy Bradley Chubb and Von Miller are going to be great, especially with Jarrell Casey, you know, anchoring the inside of the line now. Like, you're gonna have a good front four. You're gonna have decent offensive line. I think the offensive line was improved. They drafted. I think they got a steal. 
with Cushenberry, they bring in another center, honestly, and move them over to right guard. So they, they have – I think they're going to have an above-average offensive line. You know, the the big question marks, and this is, you know, like this, the point I was trying to make was figure out what you know about a team, have levels of uncertainty about, and then figure out what you have the least level of certainty about, and then really watch that for the first couple of weeks because that's what you need to be making your adjustments off of. And the fact that, yeah, the – two-thirds of their starting receiving core rookies with Hamler and Judy. Sutton and Fant are very young men as well. You're, you know, you have a young quarterback, so, like, basically your entire passing game is predicated upon first and second-year players pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not excited about the Melvin Gordon signing at all. I think – Yeah. I think, I think running back is – Philip Lindsay was freaking legit. Like, yeah. what what happened to what, – what, what, what is his role at this point? Like, yeah, the Melvin Gordon – yeah, you know what? You're right. They bring in a guy like Casey who I think was underrated, and that was a where I'm like, yeah. ooh, interesting. Oh, maybe yeah. something good might happen. But they, they let Chris Harris walk. I think that's a problem. They bring in A.J. Bouye, who's – his best days are three seasons behind him. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Melvin Gordon signing was like, a, yeah. huh? So huh? The, yeah, that's what I, I don't think you'll ever be like excited about this running game, but if, if, and that's that, I think that goes to my point about Shermer too. I think Shermer's my biggest question mark because can a, a pretty, I think he's been successful as an offensive coordinator in the past. He had decent success under a defensive minded head coach in 2017 in Minnesota. Like he, that was that was a fun team. That was a good offense. He was, I, I'd say, he was successful. He honestly, yeah, he won NFL Assistant Coach of the Year. I had to laugh at that because it's funny that that's even a thing. That I, I guess I hadn't, I hadn't remembered that that was a thing. Yeah, but, but he, you, he, you, you, he was, you, he was promoted. You, I think that was when North yeah. Turner resigned. He took over, and it's funny because it was shit on Keenum. Like he, he made Case, Case Keenum a thing. That year, yeah. it was a, it was a great season. It got him a head coaching job after yeah. McAdoo got fired in the at the Giants. So, I'm interested to see if he can get back to being a very good offensive coordinator with a bunch of very young talent. And that's where you know you really don't know what you're getting from several rookie receivers. I love Sutton. I, lo- I like Fant quite a bit. If the offensive line is a plus and the rookie receivers come together. Drew Locke isn't a complete bust, and Shermer can – because if Shermer made Case Keenum good, and we're going to rag on Locke a little here, he can probably make Drew Locke serviceable, and this could be an okay offense. And if it's an okay to above-average offense, this is the kind of team that could knock on the door of the playoffs. But they are really – it's going to have to be more above-average than average because – and we'll get to this later – this schedule isn't doing him any favors. No, it's really bad. Um, it's but kind of a rough yeah, schedule. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. so yeah, if we want to... If it comes together in a hurry, they're a playoff team, a fringe playoff team. If the passing game and offense doesn't come together early, this is like a five-win team. And I think I would lean much stronger towards the latter given the lack of a offseason, right? I mean, yeah, Sutton is Sutton is, Sutton is Sutton is bona fide. He is he is a he's a pro's pro now at this point. He's had enough enough snaps, enough reps. He's going to be good. Judy has ta- raw talent. I we have yet to see how they even use him in this offense. Hamlet, Hamlish, also raw Hamlish, raw talent. Fant, very talented pass catching tight end. Like these are three. These are you have a 
uh, you're going to have three or four guys on the field for every snap who can make, you know, devastating, they can run devastating routes. They can make amazing catches and they present mismatches in the passing game. Um, but without, well, they can like, make awful rookie mistakes. The, they can make, exactly. Exactly. As will drew lock who has started all of six games. Right. I mean, this yeah. is, I guess it's man. That guy's going to never have a preseason second no. straight year. No preseason for lock. No, no. And you know, that also, again, that could wind up being a detriment for the team overall because they, you need those games to evaluate the player you drafted. Like you can't just do it in practice. Everybody watches their guys in practice and, and walks out saying, our guys, you know, this guy's got it. You know, like there's absolutely no one after two weeks of camp who doesn't feel like uh, all of their best players have taken a meaningful step forward and they really got it this year. Like you need to see them in game action and they're not going to have that. So it's going to be trial by fire again through the regular season. Um, I, I was mistaken, by the way, Drew Locke didn't even make six starts. He made five. Um, and they were against relatively weak competition, as you pointed out off the top here. Um, and I, you know, he had to beat out Brandon Allen. Who took over? Brandon from Allen got two starts. Joe Flacco. He got three, think, yeah. three starts. He got three. three <laughs> he had to beat out Brandon Allen. Like, that's not a good sign. And yeah, and that was, again, of course, this is all under another, a different offensive scheme than he is getting this year. So while yeah, the all lack of, of continuity the, is high, oh God, this is a high. We need it. I'm going to. I'm going to come and think of a name for that, uh, the metric, the continuity metric. I'm going to think yeah. of it by the time we do our next podcast. Hey, yeah, uh, and like we talked Drew, about the Chiefs, <laughs> and we'll talk about them in a couple of days. You know, the Chiefs have all this continuity. The teams, a lot of veterans, players that have played together, you know, veteran coaching staff that's been there for a while. They somehow didn't lose either coordinator again, I think. Like just all this stuff that goes for the Chiefs. This is the opposite. Like you're bringing yeah. in a new offense and you're bringing in all these rookie center going to start right <laughs> rookie away. You're, center. Bring, yeah, you're bringing, yeah, you're bringing in a bunch of rookies that are going to start right away to start a new offense. Like the continuity is, is low. And this might be a team where the, the market swings against them early because of that. And they have a tough schedule where if you can find a few spots, I think if things go poorly, the market turns on a team fast and there might be some buy on spots to Denver after they get a, you know, five, six games under their belt and get a little continuity with all these new pieces. So, or they might just suck shit all year. Yeah. Well, no, I think you're, you're, I think again, now going back to those two options, I would lean towards the former, which is like the talent is here. I mean, outside of, I don't know what, Drew Locke's ceiling is from a talent perspective, but you put enough good pieces around him, eventually he'll kick ass. Like he'll look good in some games, right? And they, you know, the but the, but the at this point with the new offensive coordinator and with uh, the number of uh, you know young and experienced players you have, you know, and really some question marks in my opinion on the offensive line, even though you you're you were right in that they played better as the season on last year. Um, it's still a ton of you know, a ton of talented pieces that are that the sum of the whole is not as, as great as they are individually, right? Like you're not going to get uh, a, an ass kicking cohesive offense here out of the gate. And oh, by the way, your schedule kind of sucks. <laughs> it sucks kind of a lot, actually. You really only have, um, I see what, two, one, one and a half 
um, easy secondaries between game week one and your buy, right? Like who, like you're not going to, uh, you're not yeah, going to be able thing. to, not only the spots, but yeah, tough secondaries to try to, as much as we've just spent talking about, we need to figure out how to get this young passing offense figured out and up on its feet right away. And then you go against a bunch of tough secondaries, a bunch of tough defenses. You're going to go to the Jets, who can stop the run. You're going to go face New England, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Tennessee. Uh, even if KC is somehow miraculously just pulling guys in and finding – and I, I think KC's secondary will take a step back this year, but they're still a good team and – it doesn't matter what that secondary looks like when they put yeah. 42 up on you, you're going to have to try to score a bunch. Right. Plus honey badger probably picks drew lock off what three times. Something like that. Yeah, um, so, so no, it's, yeah. it's the schedule. It, sucks so bad. The schedule, the schedule sucks. The first eight weeks of this season for this team to me screams, uh, pressure on drew lock. Right. Like as like, the, like he almost, he almost was done. No favors by, being four and one as a starter down the stretch last year. Like the expectations are a little too high. I feel, I think if you just kind of pulled, uh, you know, your average, uh, football NFL analysts, they would probably put drew lock in the bot, you know, like kind of the middle bottom tier among quarterbacks because of his youth and inexperience. Right. And yeah. I would guess that the Broncos fans probably think he's going to be top half of the league just because he was good down the stretch and it was a glimmer of hope. And I think it was false hope potentially because this is going to be a very, 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 uh, you know, trial by fire type of season for them. And, you know, we could obviously be proven wrong if the Broncos, uh, you know, if, if they catch a couple breaks here and there, um, you know, this, uh, they, you know, they could kind of come together and believe in this guy and this kid is their leader and he could be, you know, the future of the franchise. So it's not off the table, but I think it's relatively low probability that they, um, that they have an explosive offense out of the gate and you're going to need it going up against some of these teams that can really put points on you and put pressure on you. So um, I think even out of the buy, I mean, the, I'm trying to find like the easy two or three game stretch that some teams have, but at Pittsburgh, then Tampa, at New England, Miami, if you believe in sandwiches, like a, a tricky Miami team sandwiched between New England and KC, back-to-back roadies off the bye, followed by the Chargers, New Orleans, at KC, which is another the opening end of another back-to-back, which even if it's a bad team in Carolina, it's still your second straight road game on the East Coast. Carolina's off Thursday night football. Like that's one of your gimme teams. And that, you know, that's going to be one of the worst teams on your schedules, Carolina, and you're playing them on the second end of a back-to-back off of a Kansas city trip and they're getting 10 days to prep for you. So one of your, one of your cupcake games is like a tougher one. And then, and then you got Buffalo and at the chargers later, like there's, there's a lot of scenarios where there's 10, 11 losses here. Yeah, you're not hosting a warm weather team late in the season in cold weather. You're not hosting an especially, uh, you know, a, a team that practices in cool weather in the summer at altitude uh, early in the season. Like you didn't, you're, you're, there's the things that small places you may generally have an advantage just aren't here on the schedule, which is, uh, which is too bad for this team that has all this promise and all this potential. And I think that kind of cements my thoughts on them in terms of why I'm, you know, bearish. With, you know, bearish on this team week one. And, you know, that 
if they're going to put something together, it's going to be later in the season. And you're right, their opponents and their situational spots are not right there. So it's it's uh, it is going to be an enormous trial for this team. And again, like if Drew Locke goes five and eleven this year, which is you know right kind of in the meat of where I'm projecting them, <laughs> what yeah. happens? What happens if this team takes a step back from seven and nine, where you had, uh, you know, you finished four and one down the stretch? You go now, God, go five and eleven. Do you bring Vic Fangio back? Do you bring Pat Shermer back? Do you give them another year? Do you say, hey, all this talent's all going to come together? We just need to get a couple offensive linemen. Like, I really don't know. And you know that the the passing of the uh, of the Broncos owner effectively, you know, kind of in the same way that it's going to be tough to take away the keys from Bill O'Brien. It's going to be tough to take the keys away from John Elway. Uh, And that may ultimately be the issue here. Yeah. I, they were seven and nine last year, right on their Pythag. I think that's, that's probably their ceiling is eight and eights. Maybe the ceiling I could put it at Um, the, you know, the offense could get good quickly. Judy is a special talent. Hamler. I like, uh, didn't even talk about Jake Butt, who's maybe won't be injured one of these years. Like they have offensive weapons. If they can scheme Locke to an improved year, and I, you know, I don't care what his record was, he wasn't good. Like he was okay. If they can get him improved and the offense is good, I still don't see a way where they're winning like ten games. Like this schedule is just too brutal for that sort of thing. Like it's there's there's not a scenario where I you know it would have to be one of like it would have to be the talking point every week like oh my god the Broncos are the Chiefs now this offense just you know they went out week one what what is week one they're Tennessee who if their secondary is healthy is decent they dropped forty two on Tennessee at home you know the mile high murders i don't know that's not a very cool name somebody somebody will think of something as they're, they're having the time of their life up there yeah, yeah, I, yeah. If, if that offense is like magically good and then like the defensive line we talked about is coming together playing well the coverage unit is still going to be suspect uh you know there's a lot of question marks but even then it's like man there's just so many tough spots on the schedule i still i still don't think like a a great offense with a rough secondary can can pull this team to a winning record. I'm I'm hopeful that the offense is good despite Drew Locke. I'd like to see him get a different quarterback because man, they have some offensive weapons. Like, I kind of hope they're like five and eleven. They move on from Fangio. They move on from Locke. They pick up somebody in the draft or free agency. Maybe you know, maybe Jameis gets Kick you know, the a tires couple garbage games. Winston, yeah. He well, Jameis gets like a couple garbage games at the end. Looks good. He's on a one-year deal, right? He, he yeah, gets yeah. picked up somewhere else. Jameis with those weapons at altitude, slinging the ball eighty yards, that'd be fun. So yeah, I guess long long term, my hope is Denver does bad. If if I'm if I'm a Denver fan, because I'm not like a Drew Locke truther. I don't think he's going to be a long-term answer. I think his ceiling is probably you know top fifteen at the best. Yeah, that, I think that would gonna, take that would take yeah. some and you just never know with these guys. I could be dead wrong. Sometimes it all just takes us the right coaching staff, the right quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, system scheme and all that, but I mean I said nice things about 
the receivers. I said some nice things about the offensive line. I said nice things, nice things about the pass rush. But at the same time, they're going to have a competition for center. They're having a competition for left tackle. They're bringing in rookies. There's no offseason for these rookies. And, like, Von, I'm actually kind of worried. Like, Von Miller has asthma. He had COVID. I, I guess he's okay, but we still don't know about how long, you know, some of the long-term effects for this. Kid God, be. I didn't even thought of that. Yeah, like, he's a guy who he's had, you know, he has asthma. He has, obviously, issues with that, as an asthmatic person does. And that's what prompted him to go in. Like, he couldn't get a coffee at under control with his normal uh, inhaler. And, like, oh, you have corona, man. Mm. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a non-zero chance that – not okay. Uh, just we don't know yet because there's been reports of that already where people with lung issues have struggled after having it. So it's true. I mean, there's there's a lot of negatives that can happen too, and all of a sudden this is a very bad team. So yeah, yeah, um, th- yeah. It's a, it's a very hard team for me to grab get my head around, but I think pragmatically, I think without the off season, it's going to be tough for a completely new system to come in with rookie receivers and just come out of the gate hot. So it's probably going to be a rough start for this team, and maybe we'll look for them to come together early or mid-season if, mm. uh, if, if Shermer can work his magic again. Mm. I think it's worth exploring the alt-under for their wins, to be honest, Yeah, because of all the re- things we've talked about and because they're they like have a, long have a, tail, a slow start. They have a long tail, though. And let's talk a little bit more in detail about why that is. So – this team, can they get a lead? Sure. They could, I could see, you know, you could sustain a drive. You have offensive weapons, a little bit of, uh, you know, positive passing plays, and you can score some points. You can get a lead. Sure. Uh, can they put away a lead? Eh, I don't know if the, uh, I'm not sure this offensive like line is good enough. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the overall, the scheme and the line, I'm not sure they're good enough to put away a lead comfortably by playing keep away, which means it's going to be on their defense. Uh, to be able to put away the lead in terms of generate a pass rush. The problem is the defense has a weakness in the secondary, in my opinion. This is probably a bottom 10 secondary, uh, especially if you want to include um, pass defending linebackers in that mix. Um, you're going to be able to pass your way back into games against these guys, uh, un- assuming you can uh, protect the passer. Right. Assuming you can neutralize the pass rush, uh, you're going to be able to come back into games against them. Uh, and then the flip side is if you have a deficit and you're the Broncos, um, you are going to be vulnerable to the pass rush. You're going up against a team with the pass rush. They are going to put massive pressure on your on your boy in the fourth quarter. We could see plenty of uh, plenty of fourth quarter trying to attempted comeback uh, drives stalled by. Uh, game-changing sacks, game-changing turnovers in the part of the lock. And I don't have a ton of confidence that this is a team that's going to be able to come back into games, even though to a degree they should be able to stop the run. So they're going to have opportunities. I just don't think that they're compo- you know, offensive line composed well enough uh, to protect their quarterback in obvious pass rushing situations. So uh, were they in, were they you know facing a schedule where they didn't go up against a bunch, a bunch of tough pass rushes? Uh, maybe, um, but they're facing a lot of difficult defenses. Uh, were they a schedule where they weren't going up against a, some tough offensive lines? Uh, yeah, they, sh- they would be able to protect leads, but they're going up against some of the best offensive lines in the league this year. So this is a really not a great um, 
you know, just the, the sum of the pieces is, is just not as, as good as they are, um, you know, on their own, I think is kind of the theme I'm picking up on the Broncos overall. And, you know, roster composition matters in the NFL matters a lot. And, uh, this is one where, you know, you didn't quite get, you didn't quite get it right. Um, and you know, why you bring in a guy like Melvin Gordon on a number like that when you could have, you know, used that money to, you know, backfill, uh, you know, anything else, anything else is, you know, that's, that, that's going to deserve some criticism this off season. If things go sideways, um, I can get them for under six and a half wins at plus one eighty nine. I dig that. I dig that price. I think that's a bettable number. Uh, I have them winning six or fewer games in forty percent of my projections for the season. Uh, So I will be betting plus one eighty nine for them to win under six and a half games. One of only a handful of alt unders I've even bothered with this year because we don't really know what we're going to get out of. Uh, if we're going to get 16 games, I guess. Um, but that said, uh, it'll suck when we place all these alt totals and they all look good and we get 14 games. Yeah. I don't, I'm not loving the likelihood either, but, uh, I, I do think this is a, is a plus you a, you play. You, what'd you say to me that one day off the air? It's better to be ready for something that never happens. That's true. Than not than not ready when it does. So we are going That's to soldier true. forward, close our eyes. I mean, and... shit, so many teams are talking about playing in front of fans. I think maybe they're just going to do this, uh, you know, just, you know, it, it's going to happen. There's there, this is a uh, too big to fail kind of deal. Um, I mean, shit, dude, UNC sending the, what, what happened with UNC today? Like they have four little cluster breakouts and they're sending all the students home, but the student athletes are staying on campus. Did you see that? Well, I mean, how are you gonna have football if you don't? <laughs> right. That's I. So I think uh, the jig is up. That's that's really what we're doing here. Um, but that's fine. Um, the at least they're getting paid, right? Oh wait. Uh, the um, the overall Broncos long term. I agree with you that I think f- as a fan, you're probably you probably would like a reset uh, on coach and quarterback. Um, I don't know that the ceiling, even if everything works great, even if Drew Locke maximizes his potential, I don't think he is a, you know, double digit every season, kind of a win quarterback personally. Uh, and I certainly don't, uh, know that you're going to get the most out of him with, uh, with Vic Fangio, uh, kind of running the show. So I agree. I think, you're better off. You don't have the you don't have the resetting. Brandon Allen, Joe Flacco safety net to fall back on. I have no idea who their backup quarterback is. Oh, it's the it's Big Butt Driscoll. With that preposterous shitter. Yeah. Driscoll oh with this Dris, Jeff Driscoll and his preposterous shitter. I have to find a tweet for you quick before we move on because you did uh, you made a funny point about and, you know, you led the show with it. We're seeing all over the timeline, Twitter, the news, everything you follow. Like, oh, this, you know, the preseason, we're playing ball. You know, the, the camps are underway and everybody's amazing. You know, but this guy came in, 
20 pounds lighter, all lean muscle. <laughs> this guy gained weight in all the right spots. No matter if you gained weight or lost weight, it's a positive. Best shape of your life. He looks so fast. This rookie looks amazing. You know, I think we can even learn from him. All the cliches. And there was a one, there was one, uh, okay, Namita, uh, gal. She's very, very smart. She works for the, she used to work for the Eagles. I don't know who she's working for now, but she's a super smart analyst. I think she's a Seattle, a uh, Seattle I think hockey. Crack, I think she's, she's, she's might have signed with the Kraken. Yeah. Or, or either or she's just a giant Kraken fan, but somebody had a tweet. Yeah, no, she's, a tweet. she's, uh, said, she's NHL Seattle. Yeah, good. Yeah, neither quarterback distinguished himself at Jerry's <laughs> camp today. Mitch Trubisky had one throw he'd like back. There were many drops. There is heavy focus on the quarterback decision making right now, Nagy said. And she she quote tweeted this and says, Camp is where you report that the top three quarterbacks are all future Hall of Famers. So this seems troubling. And then I like I read that the same way. It's like, man, you don't ever see these like, oh boy, everybody looked like shit today tweets. These yeah. Beat reporters. Yeah. Like, like that, that's how disgruntled they are in Chicago. The beat reporters oh, won't even carry water for you on day one when hope springs eternal. I am not excited <laughs> to see what happens in Chicago. Maybe God I have damn. with bated breath. I await the shit show that will be that. So That's hysterical. I guess before moving off the Broncos, I just do want to shout out Philip Lindsay. I love that guy. He plays so damn yeah. hard. If I, was, if I was picking a running back off the scrap heap after his team gave Melvin Gordon – uh, eight million dollars. I'm going for Philip Lindsay. Like that. That's a guy that I feel like you can get on a on a nice deal. And he just he just runs so freaking violently and hard. Like you can see it. It's uh it's and it's it's contagious. Uh, it's a it's a good it's a good uh way to be. Um, and yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm really gonna sweat this one on under six and a half. To be honest, I think it's coming in, and it's uh it's gonna be one of those where we're like, man, we uh we read them right. I don't know. Am I, am I overconfident? What's the, what's the, um, I guess what's the, uh, the, uh, red team say about my overconfidence about the Broncos this year? They go out and beat, can they beat the Titans Steelers and bucks two home games in September when teams, when people are all out of shape playing in altitude, can they get, can they steal a win at Pittsburgh? If, uh, uh, if no, the passing game, I, I like that bet. I'm, I might be, I might be joining you on that. I would play under five and a half at the right price. Yeah, I kind of was hoping it was going to be up there, but it's not. Um, I'll, I'll I should look at, I should look at so. the Circa and see what their, yeah, what their number is. It might be better. <clears throat> Actually, you know why Circa might be better is because they're in, they're in Colorado now too, right? Oh, God. Yeah, they might be taking that localized money. Ooh. Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't think I had any other notes except uh, Silver Lining. Good job on Jarrell Casey for a seventh rounder. Yeah, that was nice. That was a good trade. Good job on that. So I uh, can't say everything Everything has gone poorly for Elway. I like that a lot. Yeah. And honestly, like I thought maybe, oh, wow, he is he getting it? Like is he, you know, like is there uh, an upside to Elway, GM, that I didn't realize there was before? And then he did uh, the Melvin Gordon sign uh, along with a number of other moves that were kind of WTF. Like effectively – uh, the Chargers and the Broncos swapped Gordon for Chris Harris Jr. Riddle me that. <laughs> like, I do not. Riddle me this. I do. I do not know why you let your your hands down best cornerback uh, go to your rival and you take on their running back who wanted more money. Like that's that's just 
it's real it's a real reach um in terms of decision making and i think it kind of speaks to the overall arc of uh what what's going on in Denver. with that said shall we move on yeah i guess yeah my closing stat is that they were 28th in success rate targeting wide receivers so i guess that's why you draft two wide receivers high <laughs> and and again, that might be that might be a stat that goes along with the fact that you started Flacco and Allen for those games. Yeah, hopefully that improves. Fair. I mean, neither Allen, of these teams. Like the same Allen thing. Was... You move, we're moving down to to Vegas. Kind of the same thing. I'm not even like, sure who was worse between Allen and Flacco. By the way, they were both real, real bad. Uh, I think Flacco was worse, but it was close. Anyway, let's go to Vegas. Oh God! I wish. I know, right? Like in a normal <laughs> year, look at the calendar, man. In a normal year, we would be getting together like next week, right? Yeah. This is like super contest weekend coming up. Like fucking a, man. Fucking a is right. Ah <clears throat> uh, man, fuck. Do this. you remember? Uh, let's let's put ourselves in this like maybe not this specific week, but this general part of the calendar last year. We had Antonio Brown getting his feet oh, wow. frozen yeah. off. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had, oh, wow. we had yeah. to, like, I had to, I, I was reading, oh, I've been reading last right. year's previews and stuff from last year. Like, oh my God, how did I forget about that doctor? Like, gave him frostbite on both his feet. They were gross. <laughs> and then that wasn't even like the weirdest part of the month with him. No. He was going to quit football because they wouldn't let him wear his old helmet. And he was sneaking his old, and this wasn't even in games yet. We're talking practice. He's sneaking his old helmet on somehow and getting in all these strife with the coaching staff and management. And it was over before it started. What a mess. Like what, what a disastrous start to the season. That was, it was gorgeous. Like it was, it was great. It was dominating the news cycle. I can't believe I'd forgotten mostly about that. So I think probably good for the readers that we're not we're not focused on them right now. At least we're yeah. not we're not reading all this crazy negative news about their wild ass wide receiver right now. It's uh they they've moved to the city of lights, is that what we call it? City that never sleeps is New York, isn't it? Yeah, see, I don't know. True. City of lights is Paris. Anyway, oh, yeah, Sin City. Sure. What Sin am I City. doing? Good Sin Lord. City. They yes, moved, they moved to Sin I'll go, City. I'm going to edit that to out. get off Good the radar. God almighty. Yeah, they moved to Sin oh, City. That's, yes. that's funny <laughs> that I couldn't even think of that. They moved, yeah, they moved to Sin City to get off the radar, apparently, because nobody's really <laughs> – yeah, they're not, like, in the news. People aren't shitting on Gruden right now. Hey, man. Uh, uh, Vegas Vegas Golden Knights are, uh, are, are nice. That's a nice team. Yeah, both these teams, nice franchise. Denver, the Avalanche are studs right now. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully those two teams do well so these two teams don't have to. Because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough road to hoe for this team as well. well. Let me take a giant step backwards. Would you say overall that the Raiders are, oh, are underrated, overrated, or properly rated by the market at this moment? I'm – I looked at the prices. I think properly rated. I think I agree with the market. You think they I should think be twelve to one to win the West? Yeah, I got a better I, price on them than that. I I can make a case to bet that. Like like you said, just with the uncertainty of this year and who knows what happens, that's a, a lot has to go right. 
A lot has to go. A lot right. has to go right, but I can see them winning it one out of ten times, not one out of twelve. Like it, it's off a little. It's not. It's not like some massive edge. This team yeah, is right. massively underrated. I think they're right. most for the most part properly rated. Um, it's it's a weird team. They have a lot of. There's a lot of weirdness to them, and the schedule again not great. It's well, it's not like Denver bad, but. It's not an easy schedule as well. Like they have, a, they have a. Sh- it gets. It does easy, get though. easier at the end, but yeah, they have a lot of clocks on their on their roster thing. That's true. Hundred percent true. They have they have some tough. They just have a tough game. I mean, honestly, anyone in this division, you're gonna play KC twice. Everyone, I think, plays New England, and it's at New England. Everyone plays New Orleans. Everyone has to play Buffalo. It looks like. You got back to back. I mean, they are taking advantage of the the East Coast double road trip where they can stay over. But again, it's it's two straight road games, and I'm higher on the Chargers than I think maybe some people are. I think maybe you're with their, me there, but they close the they close the season at altitude in the cold weather at Denver. Mm-hmm. This the schedule's not probably as brutal as Denver's, but it's not an easy schedule. So schedulers didn't do them any favors. They still have quite a few holes in their game. You know, obviously, I love the running back. It's great to have a cheap-ass running back on a rookie deal like that. Yeah. That's conducive to a team building around, especially if Carr or Mariota do, does, you know, anything this year. So, it, it's a team that I could see being in the mix next year. Yeah. That's not crazy. Just, I, I, I think out of these two teams we're going to talk about today, they're closer. Like they're, yeah. they're fewer pieces away. Yeah. Um, I think maybe I'm just enamored that their schedule is a little easier. Uh, oh, but you're right that they do travel East a bunch and they do play a lot of early games. Um, and I guess I don't have a strong opinion on Derek Carr, which is probably my, part of my problem. You know, like I, yeah. I guess I feel like we know who he is. I feel like we've seen him enough to this point that he's not, like he's not an uncertainty like Drew Locke. Like Drew Locke is he has a wide he has a wide distribution. He could turn out to be as far as a professional in the NFL. I think Derek Carr, we know. Right? But there is still there is, you know, there is a positive case to be made for Derek Carr that is, you know, he when when things are um when things are when when things are safe and sound in the pocket, when he has a nice, comfortable pocket. He can be a precision passer that can hurt you with even below average weapons. When the pocket is a little messy, particularly up the middle, he is going to skip five yard passes towards the checkdowns, right? Like his, the difference in his level of play and fourth down. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The difference in his quality of play uh, in between those two scenarios is stark. And so I don't think, you know, you, you don't, you, you can, you, you are not afforded a full season of clean pockets in the NFL. Even if you are playing behind the best offensive line in football, it just doesn't work that way. Right there. Some guys will lose battles at times. And if that happens in key moments in games, it's going to make you look bad. Your drives are going to stall. Your performance is going to suffer. Like there was, there's a reason that they stink against the chiefs. And it's largely because the chiefs and Chris Jones and Frank Clark, they can get interior pressure and put, you know, put Carr in just a God awful situation where he's completely ineffective. 
Uh, and I know that overall their offensive line is strong. Uh, oh, it's just, very it's, good, but it's yeah. such a big chunk of their cap. Trent it's, Brown I is think strong. It's most Gabe expensive. Jackson is strong. Rodney Hudson. These are good. That's a really good right side of your line. Left side of your line, not a Colton Miller guy, but fine. Incognito passes prime, but fine. Like you should, you know, at least starting out the season with a fully healthy offensive line, you should be pretty good overall as a unit, which I think sets up well for Carr to um, absolutely pull the pants off the Panthers in game in week one. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's just an, an utter, utter mismatch. Um, but, you know, over the course of just the season, slice up Corn Elder. I don't even know if he's still on that team. That name will stick with me for a decade. Yeah. No, but, I mean, uh, you're right. It's a, it's a bad matchup for Panthers. A bad I mean, there's going to be a lot yeah. of bad matchups for the Panthers. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't love uh, the Saints' ability to get interior pressure. I think the, the Raiders should be feisty week two against the Saints on Monday Night Football. Uh, that's Is that uh, John Gruden's first Monday Night Football as a head coach of the Raiders? Probably not. I think he probably had a game last year. Probably game two. Yeah, he was on opening night Monday Night Football <laughs> last year. Um, but, you know, that the – Patriots, uh, who's yeah? Where are they? How are they generating a pass rush this year? Right, like these are teams where uh, if you are as precise a passer as Derek Carr can be, when on when not under duress, you're going to be able to score points and be competitive against these teams, uh, which I think opens up the question and then opens up the door to um, what contributions can we expect out of the youth movement that was largely drafted by Mike Mayock? Uh, the Las Vegas Clemson Tigers, are they going to be better this year <laughs> than they have been to this point in their professional careers? What do we expect out of the defense? Are these guys young, you know, the young, they had all this youth last year. Um, they didn't really bring in any free agents to help them. They just let them all kind of figure it out on the fly. This year they've added some, uh, some pretty decent uh, depth in the form of talented, uh, you know, veterans. I like Corey Littleton a lot. I like Kiyokowski yeah, a lot. Yeah, nice yeah. linebacker additions they made. If Clellan Farrell can take a step not forward <laughs> and not completely suck, um, I'm not excited about Prince of Makimura. I think he might be past where he's good, but it it's, I don't know, maybe – Maybe that's a lateral move. I don't know. He can probably still be serviceable at times. Ironically, the second, they need Gary and Conley back. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's how they – that was kind of a goofy trade. But, yeah, they have uh, – and they got on the offensive side, they got a hell of a backup tight end. <laughs> and Jason Witten. They have a whole broadcast booth. Can you that's have funny. Mayock, Gruden, and Witten now? That's funny. I that's, you uh, get, that's you know, broadcasters got to stick together, man. They do um, got to stick together. So yeah, no, the defense. Yeah, Farrell just needs to not suck. But yeah, good additions to the linebacking core. I like that a lot, especially Littleton. Marcus Mariotto's debates debatable. If you spend, it's not like they're. Yeah, I didn't like that move. The the thing is, they are now spending the most money in the league on an offensive line. And the third most money in the league on their quarterback's room. Yuck. And the second most money in the league overall on their offense. Oh, yeah. An offense who featuring superstars Hunter Renfro 
And uh, I mean, backup running back Jalen Richardson. I can't think of his first name, Richard. Yeah, I, the, the the receiving core it's not and good. quarterback leaves something to be desired when you have the second most expensive offense in the league. Granted, you know they're, they're not spending much on receivers. It's you know Matt Renfro's a young guy, Ruggs is a rookie, Williams, Waller, a lot of young young youngsters. I guess they are spending a little bit on tight end if they gave Witten four million. Jesus, yeah, the, the roster construction here is funny. This is a very expensive offense. For Do we know that Mike what, Mayock knows what he's doing? I don't know. He's been watching football all his life, I guess. <laughs> I mean, presumably yeah. he knows how to evaluate talent, but does he know how to construct an NFL roster? Probably I'm not, not enamored yet. Not enamored with the offensive roster construction. There's some holes on the defense too. I don't. I don't see this guess, like falling flat on its face. Like this is yeah. compared to the Broncos, I don't have a long tail to the lower, but I'm I'm struggling to find a a reason to believe in Derek Carr and a subpar receiving core. Gruden, Olsen, Gunther. Like nothing in the coaching staff is really yeah, that's true. exciting for me. So if the defense overperforms and Ruggs turns out to be a great draft pick. This is a team that can win like eight, nine games. I don't know. It's still a, it's not a good schedule. Like if you had to put it in the, in a, on a, a spectrum. Yeah. I'd it's say probably it's, it's tougher. Term. It's tougher than neutral, but not like ridiculous difficult. It, it leans yeah. towards difficult. There are some difficult spots, but like you I said, mean, everybody there are some West easier has to play spots KC later. twice. That automatically yeah. makes your schedule suck <laughs> if you have to yeah. play KC twice. Yeah. yeah. Tampa, New Orleans. It's just, Tampa, New Orleans. It's yeah. Tough. You're, if, yeah. If Cleveland and Buffalo continue to get better, that's tough. Yeah. If the Chargers are good, it's tough. There are some easier spots towards the end of the schedule. If they can beat Denver twice, if they can get Miami done, if they can take care of a tough road trip that's against some teams that maybe are beatable in Atlanta and the Jets. It's an eight-win team because they should, yeah, they should pull the pants down on Carolina. They got a chip chair and chance against the Chargers and the Browns, the, the Colts. That's a, you know, it's a home game. They're hosting the Colts at least. Some yep. of these uh, tougher ones are at least at home. And they tend but, to yeah, play well against Philip Rivers for whatever that's worth. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's not like they've never seen Philip Rivers before playing against Tim Plenty. So I, I don't think it's going to be this disaster season. I think they're like a purgatory team. And yes, honestly, if you're paying, you for getting us there. If you're paying that much to your offense and you're a purgatory team where you're drafting like 13th, 14th, 15th again, I, I don't love your long-term prospects, especially when you're in a division with the Chiefs. So yeah, right. I don't know what to do with this. This division. Last year, I don't know what to do with this team. If, I, if I'm like managing this team, I'm I'm quitting. I guess. Yeah. Well, Fire last me. year, <laughs> last year we talked. I think the entire tone of our Raiders preseason uh, read last year was, "Oh, this team's going to go five and eleven, and it's because they realize or they will realize that Carr is not the guy, and at some point they're going to have to move on from Carr, and you know they're going to position themselves for a draft." 
right? That that was the idea. And then even in the offseason, they flirted with Tom Brady. It was like, oh, maybe they upgrade from Carr and free agency. No, they're sticking with Carr and they're paying him a lot of money this year. That said, to be fair, it's hard. To, what, it's hard to cut him. Like the, it's hard to cut him. Yeah, <laughs> the dead cap number is rough. It's, they yeah, they looked point, at it. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, but at this like so at this point, like, what's your plan? Like, if Card does well and gets you to the playoffs this year, do you bring him back? Like, is he your guy for you know? Is he your guy that you're going to live with in purgatory forever? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Like, I I, I guess if you um, if you're if you head into the bye at one and four, come out of your bye loose to the Tamp- the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're one and five. Um, do you think about packing it in for a, a top pick next year? Do you think about putting some of your guys on ice? Do you It'd think about nice? To, you know, you know who Mayock likes. There's a college that Mike Mayock likes because th- this is a running joke. Is there a good? Is there a good quarterback that plays for the Clemson Tigers? I'm drawing yeah. a blank here. You should read if you do get the Football Outsiders Almanac. You should read this chapter if you don't read any others because I guess I kind of knew about this. But man, it just builds. It's like a it's like a crazy story that just keeps building on itself, like some sort of mystery novel where it's like, and here's another Clemson Tiger. It's like, wow, that's wild how many Clemson Tigers he has drafted. And yeah, like it'd be awful nice to get one more, I guess. I wouldn't blame him for taking a quarterback if they had a high-ass pick. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I mean, I guess I don't know that – God, dude, Gruden is in, heading into year three of what, a 10-year deal? 10? They're in year one of this new stadium out there in Vegas. Um, we joked about that when he got signed. Like, does he give a shit? He's getting paid so much. Give, giving a shit or not, uh, it doesn't. He's having fun. He, to me, he doesn't. He doesn't uh, exemplify a knowledge or understanding of what makes good teams good in the NFL in today's age. You know, it doesn't. He, he may know. He may know some sophisticated, difficult plays and route trees, and like you know, he kind of made his bones banana. being. Uh, yeah, wide spider two wide banana. He kind of made his bones in a time where there was a lot of, it was a real old fashioned NFL and it was coming into a passage, you know, but it, now it's like, a, it's a very specific, um, you know, important part of your, uh, you know, an important part of your fortune to be a progressive offense in this league. And I didn't see it from him last year. We didn't see it from him the previous season. Um, and I have a s- sneaking suspicion in the back of my head that he's, you know, I know too too old of a dog to learn new tricks about how to be good NFL head coach, and you know this could be a Raiders purgatory that goes on for a long time, <laughs> right? They they could be kind of in this mix of never good enough to draft a a top quarterback, never I'm sorry, never bad enough to draft a top quarterback, never good enough to have a a realistic shot in the playoffs, you know, for for a while. Yeah, for a while. And, you know, they're going to have, if they luck into some early season success, they have an easy enough schedule. I think they can get to nine, 10 wins and get a playoff spot. If they suck out of the gate, they absolutely should think about packing it up for the season and setting themselves up for, for a quarterback for the future because, you know, Carr is going to be too expensive to bring back. Uh, and at his, at his performance uh, level. And um, I don't know. I guess 
Do you think there is a potential that we're missing something about Derek Carr's ceiling as a, an offensive uh, player in the NFL? Are we missing anything? No, I mean, they won six games three years ago, four you games a year after that. Me. Celtics four straight free throws. Keep the board. Sorry, go ahead. Seven, seven games last year, which like, oh, they're, they're improving. They were seven and nine last year. Every win was a one-score game. Like they, they didn't win convincingly. Every everything was a struggle. There were some weird games. Obviously, there was some. I, you know, you can take one score games and dig deeper, and you'll probably find one where they were winning by two scores and gave up a garbage score or something. But they they didn't have any big convincing wins. This offense is way too expensive for what they're getting out of it. What they probably will get out of it. Yeah, this is a tear it down. I, I, I mean, make a case that this is somehow like all going to work out at this money and that they're going to be this good team with this roster construction. I love Jacobs. I think I love Waller. You know, they have a couple nice pieces, but those are the kind of guys that will be around in four or five years where you've got some time to see what you can get for Trent Brown or I, I don't know how you get this, this money, right? Like how do you get rid of some of these? You have to make a trade where you're taking it in the shorts. So somebody will eat some some money from you. Like you have to make a bad trade so you can get some money uh, available. Like it's just they're spending in a, a stupid amount on this man. One hundred thirty six million on this offense. I I just don't understand how this team could could compete long term like that. Like that's just an unsustainable financial model. Yeah, no, and, I yeah. Don't like disagree. a couple, and they're just they're like. Four pieces short on the. I mean, your answer is pretty play. straightforward. Your answer is straightforward. They compete if they're paying. They yeah, they compete if they're paying their quarterback a rookie scale. Yep. Yeah, you move on from Carr. That changes things a lot because, like you said, you're, they're paying him. You know, twenty some million this year. That's rough for Derek Carr. So if you can get some of that off the books, and I don't know how it works if they cut him after this year, what they're still paying him. I would still think it'd be lower if you're paying a rookie quarterback and him, so or what whatever dead money you'd have on his contract as well. So yeah, I would I if I'm running the Raiders, I'm gonna put my Al Davis glasses on and say I'd I'd like to be moving on here next year. Yeah. Like I, it's another team where and we'll say this about any team that's projected to get like seven, eight, nine wins, like, hey, this team should tank, but boy, yeah. this team should tank. <clears throat> I know. I mean, like, realistically, go sign the best pass rusher in free agency next year uh, and get a rookie quarterback uh, to start going forward. And you all of a sudden you have my interest as a as a frisky uh, as a frisky pick in the AFC. Yeah. The 76ers are having a bad fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't love this. This is uh, this is absolutely. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Alec Burks finally does any fucking anything. God damn, he's had a bad game. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's put a bow on the Las Vegas Raiders. We didn't have a ton to um, say about them. Like, yeah, I mean, silver linings. Carr was really good against the Blitz. Somehow. I guess, yeah. Okay. Um, great. It is a good offense. You know, the offensive line is good. It's a good offensive line. It's just expensive. Um, the defense was weird. They got no sacks. Um, from linebackers or D-backs last year. You um, know why the Blitz the blitz didn't affect them as much? Because it's coming from the outside, and Carr only really loses his yeah. shit when he's getting pressure up the middle. 
Yeah, he I don't know why that is. He, do, he, do, don't he know steps why away is. from that outside pressure halfway decent, if we want to yeah. say anything nice about Derek Carr. Uh, they have a bad kicker. He was worse in Minnesota, but he's still not good. Like That's not going to help you. A weird stat. They were like the best team, one of the best teams on third down to go yardage for some huh. reason. I don't know. I read some weird stats, and I don't. In the end, I think a lot of it might have just been noise, but they were like super aggressive on third and short and super conservative on third and long. And none of that yeah. made any sense to me. But and they didn't have all that far to go on their average third and long. They were very good about that. So I, I think it's a combination of Derek Carr's maybe not the answer. John Gruden might not have it anymore, and they just don't quite have enough pieces. They were 30th in the league as far as targets to wide receivers. Like they, you know, I, I get that the wide receiver core wasn't good, but you still got to spread it out. They, th- their leading receiver without checking for sure was Waller. Like they yeah. threw at him so much because just being in a fantasy football league, you knew who had Waller and you were pissed about <laughs> it because what a pickup. That guy had like 100 catches last year. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got he's got exactly the right build for a pass catching tight end. That's very uh, very cool. Um, 117 targets for Darren Waller last year. Wow, we Hunter Renfro was number one among wide receivers with 71. Wow, Jesus Christ. Um, okay, well, uh, I guess is there any potential that uh, that there is anything to say about home field advantage in Las Vegas that we need to be considering here as we look at their schedule? Uh, Maybe the Vegas we, flu. With uh, is that the is players that are getting loose. The th- the thing is, it's different. Like in hockey, you did you, you fucking saw this when players were playing the nights, and then they had to play someone else. It was rough because they spent the night out at the craps table. But hockey games, you know, you'll have you'll go play like the Coyotes the next night or two nights later. You don't often play a football game the next day, so I don't think it'll be a big thing just because football games are spaced out enough where it won't affect them. I think the most annoying part about playing in Vegas, I saw this already. It was on the a news site. Where is it? Darren Waller article it said Vegas took a gamble when they extended him. Now it looks like the house wins again. Like the gambling references in articles are going to be very annoying. That bothered me already. The house wins yeah. again. Come yeah. On. Yeah. Reaching or Kenneth Arthur reaching already on day one of camp. <laughs> That's uh, that's who wrote it. If he listens, I'm I'm sorry. It was a good article. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't believe it'll be uh, yeah. a super big issue unless some player really ties one on and they have like a Thursday night game the next week, which might not even be a thing. I haven't looked at the schedule. I guess there's a potential that living in Vegas is a distraction for the Raiders. That might. That, I don't know. It, when it when it when it comes down to it. And it's weird, like, we, we remember when we stayed at that uh, Airbnb, like, it's weird when you get off the strip, you're like, oh, this sure. is just a town. It's, it's just like, yeah, a, just normal like a normal town. Yeah. yeah, like, the strip is such a small part of the city overall. Like, it's true. Yeah, living, living in town, it can be pretty normal if you're just, if you're just, you know, not going to spend your whole time down at the casinos, I guess. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, if they sign someone with, like, a bad gambling problem, they'll find out in a hurry. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Well, I, I just uh, missed nine field goals. Yeah, he owes a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. God I, I can't wait for that. Cool that happens. Theory. God, I, I kind of do like too. Oh, uh, boy. 
Um, okay. Well, uh, Vegas Raiders, uh, man, maybe underrated by the market overall, but also uh, likely best served getting into draft position to replace Derek Carr for the future, uh, given the way that their cap is uh, currently constru- constructed. And yeah, John Gruden, not my favorite coach in the NFL. Uh, and I'm going to need to see some major, major, major improvements from him in terms of how often he is passing the ball on first down, how often he is going forward on uh, makeable uh, situations. And um, if he makes those steps forward, maybe we'll reevaluate things because it does get easy for them down the stretch. And a little bit of luck really does put them in playoff contention probably. So out of all the teams, if you really want to fade the Chiefs, I think there's a third team in the division. We'll leave it as a mystery. It was not one anyone. of these two teams. It could be anyone. If there was another team in the division, maybe to look at, and uh, that's kind of like a teaser. That that's going to make you keep coming back for the next episode. Who could it be? I like it. I like there, it. There is, if you can get if you can, if you can get a similar number on them compared to the the like Broncos or Raiders, I might be more interested in that. Although they've cost me plenty of money over the years as they've underperformed. So yeah, obviously, gonna. you know, later in the week here, we will get to the chiefs and chargers. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. I like that call. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's reconvene then and, uh, best of luck to you and, uh, all your betting endeavors uh, between then and now. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we got the FedEx playoffs, which is the stupidest thing ever. Golf I, playoffs. I don't even they know what tournaments. that is. That's really happening. Okay. They do it every yeah. year. It's just the fields are smaller. Like, uh, there's 125 in the field. The top 70 make next week's tournament. And then the top 30 make the tournament after that. And then whoever wins that gets like a trillion dollars. It's a lot of money. A trillion if you, dollars. If you, wow. It, it might be less than that. I'm going to fact check that. But you, to win the winning the winning doing well in the FedEx playoffs pays pretty well. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. Well, you know – Al Horford, did he off. have a Turn did he have a terrible off. Al Horford have a terrible gambling debt that he had to resolve uh, by his performance today? Because this has been one for the maybe Jalen. I really have too. to say. <laughs> oh man, he's good. He is playing out of his mind. He's been really good in the bubble overall. Um, all right, yeah. well, I'll let you go. We'll reconvene on Wednesday, and uh, best of luck to you.